Let's turn in our Bibles uh, to Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4. I want to read a couple of verses of scripture there, Philippians chapter 4. You know, in the Bible, we have many of those uh, scriptures that all you've got to do is say the first couple of words and people can finish your sentence. That's people that don't really need to know the Bible. Um, it's just been thrown around so many times. And, and a portion of our scripture is one of those scriptures. So if I was to say to you, I want you to finish my sentence. If I was to say to you, I can do all things. See, it's one of those scriptures. It's one of those scriptures. You've heard it before. You might not even know where it is, but you know, you know how it ends. You know how to say it. You've, you've heard it said before. Um, and unfortunately with the Bible, sometimes, you know, we understand how the Bible was written. It was a, the books of the Bible were written in continuous scrolls. There was no chapter and verse. It was a continuous, in this case, it was a continuous letter to the church in Philippi. Um, so it was a continuous thing. Uh, the, the chapters and verse were just put in there so we can reference it. And that's not a bad thing, not an evil thing. But what happens with that is that sometimes we can take scripture and just take that and run with it. Um, and that's one of those power verses, I can do all things through Christ uh, who strengthens me. Uh, and it's, that verse has been used for many different applications. Uh, you know, I, it, it's like a, a power verse, makes you feel like a superman or a superwoman. Whatever situation, you throw that in there, I can do all things through Christ uh, who strengthens me. Something's hard, you look at that, you put that out, we put it on a bumper sticker, we put it on a shirt and so on, and, and we kind of take that out of context text with what actually Paul was saying. And it's, again, it's, it's not too dissimilar from the truth. Yes, you can. You, if you think about what you're doing, depending on what it is you're doing when you say that, uh, it can possibly be true. Uh, some people said that for doing something bad. It's like, well, now nah, that doesn't make no sense. But in this case, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What I'm going to do is take that scripture and put it back into context. And we're going to talk about what Paul was talking about when he said those famous words. And I want to start, I want to illustrate, before we talk about the subject we're going to talk about, about a story I picked up of a rich, wealthy businessman who was going to retirement age. He went over to the Caribbean. Amen. A few Caribbeans in the house. Can you say amen in this place? Come on now. All right. <laughs> Went over to the Caribbean um, to kind of uh, just slow down in life now and um, retire. As he's going by, he sees this, what looks to be a lazy fisherman. He's a fisherman, but he's just, just there chilling, just lying by, just, just watching the, 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 the sea, watching the, the time go by. And he gets a little bit agitated, a bit angry. He's saying, why don't you go catch some fish? And the fisherman replied, I've caught enough for the day. And he says, well, why don't you go out and catch some more? What you can do, you can go out and catch some more. Then you could sell that. You can upgrade your equipment, maybe get some nylon nets. Then you can catch even more once you do that. Maybe you can upgrade your boat and you can go out further and catch even more fish. After you've done that, maybe you can get yourself a fleet of boats. After you get your fleet of boats, you catch even more fish. And before you know it, you have people working for you, catching fish in this area, that area. And you've got a whole empire going on. And he says, okay, what would I do after? 
after that. The rich man says, well, then you can go and enlarge your business. Now you can go from this country to that country. And now you're running a, a multinational uh, com- uh, company selling fish all up and down. And the fisherman says, okay, and after that, what would I do? And then he says, well, after that, now you've got so much, uh, then you can retire and enjoy life. Uh, and the fisherman says, what do you think I'm doing right now? Come on now. I want to talk about a subject. Now, sometimes, let me give you an insight to a preacher's life because sometimes a preacher has to preach things that he himself has had to wrestle with. I'm going to be honest with you. Come on, it's not just a case of here's some text, let me just throw it out there. Sometimes I've got to read some text and have to wrestle with it myself before I'm able to then internalize it and verbalize it so that others can go through the same wrestling process I've had to go through. And this is one of those uh, uh, sermons, it's one of those scriptures I've had to kind of battle with uh, because uh, I want to preach a, a, a sermon of entitled, The Hardest Lesson to Learn. Out of Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. We're going to read here. So the context of this letter is Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi after that church that he set up sent a man to Rome where he now was uh, to kind of give him a gift. Um, That man ended up getting really sick, but by the grace of God, he got healed and sent him back. But he sent him back to Philippi with this letter, almost like a thank you note for the gift that they sent to him. And we're going to read here in verse number 10. Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, Though you surely did care, but you lacked an opportunity. He's saying that you wanted to give me some things, but you didn't have an opportunity to pass me a gift. Verse number 11, it says, Not that I seek in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then is our scripture that we all know, I can, all, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to look firstly about the subject and a lesson. You see, because it's a tricky subject uh, to manage. And if we mishandle this subject, uh, uh, it can come across or we can come to the incorrect conclusion uh, and therefore live a life misunderstood. What I want to talk to you today, this evening about is contentment. It's one of those things that you know what the word means. You understand that to be content, it is in a state of peaceful happiness. That's contentment. You say, I'm content. You're saying, everything's good. I'm okay. And the thing is with contentment is that contentment is usually thought of as something attained as a result of something else. Contentment is usually thought of something that I can get that will then allow me to be content. For example, if you just think in your mind, if you complete this sentence in your mind, I will be happy when dot, dot, dot. Just think about that. Right now, in your situation, where you are right now, whatever you're doing, whatever's happening, I will be happy when... And I'm saying that because that's not a, you know, that's not a far-fetched uh, uh, question. If I was to get someone up here and give you a microphone, I'll be happy when. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to say something, fill in the gap and put it in there. It could be, I'll be happy when I get healed. Maybe you've got a pain, you've had a pain for a long time. And you're saying, when I get healed, that's when I'll be happy. 
Maybe you're here in this place, I'll be happy when I get married. Come on now. Hey, listen, hey, that one's not too far-fetched. Maybe you've been thinking, listen, when is it going to be my time? That guy got married. That, how did that guy get married, right? But I will be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I get my promotion at work. Come on, because right where I am right now, you know what I mean? It's, it's okay, but when I get that promotion, that's exactly when I'm going to get this happiness. I'm going to get this fulfillment. So I'll be happy when we have children. Come on, I'll be happy when I make my first million. I'm reading some people's diaries now, right? Come on. <laughs> How much? Yeah, that's right. I'll be happy when I drive that car. I know I've got this car, but when I get that car is when I will be happy. Come on. That sentence can be filled with many different things. Now you understand why I'm saying I have to wrestle with this. I'm being honest with you. I've said those statements myself. You know, I'll be happy when this happens. That's when I'm going to be happy. Right now, I'm not really happy. And when we have statements like that, listen, you have to understand that if those things didn't happen, sorry, can you still be happy? If that list didn't, wasn't ticked off, you've got a list in your mind, when I want to tick this off, tick this off, tick this off. If you couldn't tick those things off, could you find happiness from somewhere? If the answer is no, well, then you are living in discontentment. And we are living in a society that is discontent. We are on this quest, this never-ending quest to find more or have more or go and get more. And do. And sometimes people with those mindsets are actually praised for their drive. It's like, a, it's a good thing. You've got a drive. Go out and get it. Never be content. Now, don't get me wrong. I like success. Don't get me wrong. I think being prosperous is actually very important. But there's a difference between saying that when I get those things, that's what's going to bring me content. All you have to do is look at your life before because there's other things you said, listen, when I get that, I'm going to find contentment. When I get that, I'm going to be happy. You got that and what happened? He's looking for something else. Come on, I'm talking to someone. I'm not just talking to myself here. You get what you've been always wanting and, and when you get that, listen, I've had people stand behind a pulpit just like this and praying, saying, God gave me a job, testifying how the job is this, I'm blessed, I'm working. Couple four, fast forward a couple months and they hate the same job they've been testifying about. Come on, come on, I'm speaking the truth this evening. That's a Wednesday night, we have to put it out there. Because when we have contentment linked to things, we're always left high and dry. We get the things that we're saying, when I get that, listen, right now, but when I get that, I can really serve God if I had something like that. That's when I can really be fulfilled. You get that thing and it's just after the next thing. We're looking for something else, something else. Someone said, a quote said this, a CEO of a company said, the only thing to do when you get to the top is jump off. Because what he's saying is once you realize you spend your whole life, people spend their whole career going up this ladder, they finally get to the top and they realize, is this it? And then people get suicidal. People thinking, man, I've spent my whole life looking for this, this, this moment or this, this thing. They get to the pinnacle and realize that it was nothing. Often we think contentment is linked to things. Often we think contentment is linked to, to uh, situations or, 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 or things that would, uh, uh, we can take into our possession. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verse number 5. 
Actually, verse number six here says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's guaranteed. All you've got to do is ask Tutankhamun. Who knows what I'm talking about? Tutankhamun, old Egyptian pharaoh, said, listen, bury me with everything. All my gold, all my bling, my gold teeth, my gold rings, my gold chains, everything. My gold chariot wheels, every, bury me with it all because I want to take it to the next life. Someone came, excavated his grave, all still there. <laughs> but he had gone. Someone said, a quote is, we, we came in naked and we leave with the same nakedness. <laughs> That's life. So we have to understand that contentment can't be the things that are around us because those things come and go. It can't be linked to things that are external. It has to come from a different source. Our contentment has to come from somewhere else. Look what Hebrews 13 verse number 5 says. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. It says, be content with such things as you have. Why? For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you see the link there. The contentment is found not in this stuff, but it's found in the one who's never going to leave you nor forsake you. We can be content understanding the value of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a song, Christ is enough for me. And I, I, sometimes I like picking on songs and so on because many times people sing wonderful songs, but I always say, do you pause to think about what you're actually saying? You're saying Christ is enough for me. You're saying that because you have a job right now and you may, you, maybe you're married right now. Maybe you're driving a nice car right now. Maybe you have a roof over your head. You're saying Christ is enough for me. If all that stuff was stripped off, would he still be enough for you? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. All you've got to do, hey, I'm going a little bit deep this evening. All you've got to do is just whip out your prayer list. Come on, whip out your prayer requests and let's see how much of it is, let me worship God, let me thank you, God, or how much of it, let me add to what you've already given me because I want to feel fuller. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Now, listen, again, I want to caveat that. There's nothing wrong with the blessings of God, but we have to understand, listen, there is more to that. There is something you have. There is more than that. There was an illustration. A man came to his preacher like in tears and say, Pastor, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. And he says, oh, have you lost your salvation? He says, no, 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 no I've not lost myself. That's not what I said. I didn't, I've not lost. Okay, okay. Oh, have you lost your faith? He said, no, 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 I haven't lost my faith. He said, okay, have you, have you lost your character? He said, no, that's not what I said. I've not lost my character. He said, okay, well, you've still got your salvation, your faith, your character. So what you're telling me is you've lost the things that don't matter. Come on, because when we think about it, when people say, oh, I'm ruined, they're talking about maybe they've lost something, they've lost property, they've lost uh, finance, they've lost uh, something like that, but they say, I'm ruined. Because contentment, or what they thought contentment would be linked to, is the things around us. There's areas in our life that we have to be content with the things that we have. I want to look secondly at what Paul said, because this is where I kind of had to wrestle with it. He said these words in verse number 11. 
Because they were talking about a, a gift. He was talking about a gift that they gave. And he's basically saying, I thank God uh, that you found a, a time to come and bless, but not because I needed it. In verse number 11, he says, not that I speak in regard of need. He said, I'm not, that's not why I'm rejoicing. I'm not rejoicing because the, the, the gift you gave me, because I'm in dire need. That's not why I'm rejoicing. He says, because I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In other words, contentment doesn't come naturally to you and I. It is an unnatural thing, and it is something we must learn. It's something we must strive to enter into. It doesn't come naturally. Paul says, I have learned it. I have had to go through life and learn how to live a certain way, how to live content. Look at this in the same book, but chapter 3, verse number 7, it says, But what things were gained to me? What I used to have, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Translations say dung, doo-doo, that I may gain Christ. Right? In other words, he's had to learn that if I have Christ, I'm okay. Come on, he, you have to realize what's going on here. He's not saying, I'm, you know, we should all strive to be poor. We should all strive to give away everything we've got. If you're, if you're driving a car, shame on you. You should sell that and give that to the poor. He's not saying that at all. If you're, if you're mature, you understand what he's saying. And he's saying, listen, I have learned something that whether I have a million pound in my bank or it is minus a million pound, I'm okay because I have Christ. He said, I have learned a lesson. I have learned to, listen, contentment isn't naive. It's not denying the needs of life. It's not denying the wants. It's not saying, oh, somebody blesses you with some money. Oh, no, I can't accept that money. No, it's not saying any of that because this is a letter of him actually thanking people for giving him a gift. It's not saying any of that. But what he's saying is you have to understand there is a, 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 a place in life you have to learn to get to that wherever you are, whatever circumstance you find yourself, you should be able to have peace and happiness because it doesn't rely on the external things. It comes from the only source that can give that, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That any situation, you can have peace and comfort and happiness. He was in prison, connected to a Roman officer when he was writing this, talking about I'm rejoicing, talking about you should rejoice too, because he's able to find contentment. I love it. In Ecclesiastes, it says in verse number, chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And if you read the chapter, it goes on and lists a whole lot of things. It's time to do this, time to do that, time to do that, and so on, a whole list of things. And I find that interesting because how many of that's life? We go through some seasons of much, and we go through some seasons of plenty, but we also go through some seasons of want. We go through some seasons of lack, and you need to understand how to live in all of those seasons. Come on, you can't just be happy when it's all going good, but when it's, when it's not going good, all of a sudden you're sad as if Jesus didn't rise up from the dead. Come on. You have to understand, Paul says, I know how to be abased, but I also know how to live an abundant life. I know how to do both of those. He's learned that, and he's saying that because some people don't know how to live both of those lives. 
Some people going on saying, what's going on in my life? It, it, it was Peter that says, listen, don't be surprised that you're going through some fiery trial. That's normal. That's life. Paul is saying, I can live on the mountaintop and I can live on the peak, but Jesus Christ is always going to be the same. Can you say amen in this place? So it doesn't matter what's in my bank account or what's not in my bank account, I can live content. The reason we need to strive to live with the godly contentment is because it allows us to be free to go through the seasons of life, not swayed here and swayed there. And there's two types of people. A thermometer or a thermostat? A thermometer, what it's there to do is display the temperature. If it's cold, it's like, oh, it's cold. Don't do nothing about the situation, just tells you what it is. It's cold. If it's hot, it's like, hey, it's hot. That's what a thermometer does. Thermostat, on the other hand, it may be cold outside, but it has the ability to change that. Come on, it may be hot, but it has the ability to turn down the temperature. What type of person are you? In the storms of life, are you the one that's just shouting, saying, hey, listen, it's stormy out there. It's stormy out there. Everyone you speak to, it's stormy out there. People are dying. You just like that? Or are you somebody like, yeah, it's stormy out there. But when people get around you, somehow some, some life begins to come out. When you're around a person like that, you could be down in the dumps. But when you meet somebody like that, all of a sudden you become, to, you become joyful. There's, there's an exuberance when you're around them because they're able to change the situation around them rather than just display what's happening. Listen, we know it's tough out there. You don't have to keep telling us. Can you say amen in this place? We know it's pressure out there. Don't keep complaining because we have to understand that as long as you have Christ, we understand I can live on the mountaintops and I can live in the the troughs and the valleys as well and the peaks and in the valleys. We need to understand that contentment is an inside job. Contentment is of the heart. Nothing external can produce this. Nothing external can produce a contentment. And this society is charged by, listen, if I can bottle up contentment and start selling it, people will be lining up around the building to try and get a bottle there. Because no matter what level people are at, they're always trying to find that, let me, I just want to be happy. If I was to ask you, what amount of money would be enough for you? Maybe figures start rolling in there. Well, the answer is just a little bit more. Whatever, whatever figure you've got right now in your account, just a little bit more will be, you know, just, just a, what salary would you want? Just, just a little bit more. <laughs> and when you get that, how about now? You, you know what, just a little bit more. Come on, we need to have a content, we need to be able to, and as we use, this is a discipline, this is a discipline, once you have the spirit of God inside of you, this is a, a discipline where we can have some control to say, you know what, I'm okay. Now, this doesn't say that you don't apply yourself. Listen, I hope you're understanding me. This isn't a pass to be lazy and just, just sit, uh, sit on, your, on your side there and do nothing. No, it's not a pass to that, but you can't allow that to control your life. Control your happiness. Because you'll be forever chasing, forever pushing, forever going for that next thing, that better thing, the bigger and brighter, shinier thing. We need to get to a point where we're saying, yeah, if I got that, okay, praise God. But if I didn't get it, still praise God. And as we live a life like that, we can start to reduce our blood pressure. Come on. Reduce the gray hairs. 
Come on, reduce the cardiac to rests. Come on now, let's be real. As we start to live like that, we can go through, and I find it fascinating how a man is in chains and is still able to encourage other people, say, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. What's he found that other people are looking for? I'll tell you what, it's not found in stuff. I always find it interesting. Um, you know, back in, you know, in my early salvation, my thing was, uh, it was finances. If, if I just have this amount of money, this is it. I couldn't understand. Listen, you just give me about that amount of money, there's nothing that will take me off my high horse. Nothing. And I started looking at people that had that type of money. I'm thinking, okay, wait, they have that. You know, it boggles my mind. You see celebrities and, and stuff like that, millions in the bank taking their own life. That should give us a lesson. That should give us an, a, a, an understanding that it's not going to be found because the things that you want, people have it and are still looking for something. We need to find, we need to learn the lesson that Paul learned. And how do we do that? How do we learn the lesson? First one is uh, we need to understand the value of Christ. We need to understand Christ's value. And when we understand the value of Christ, just like he said, everything else can be counted as rubbish or dung because we have great gain. Secondly, we need to rejoice. That's a choice, you know. To, to have joy is actually a choice. You know that? It's not one of those emotions you kind of... It's something that we choose to do. So we have to choose to wake up and rejoice. And as we do that, listen, we're not saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to change my, my situation. No, but I am going to say, I'm going to have... I'm, whatever, whatever I have right now, I'm okay. If I have more, I'm okay. If I have less... Still okay. We need to learn the lessons that Paul has learned. I want to go back to our familiar verse. So after Paul talks about he's able to live in a base life and a bound life, he says in every way, in all things, he's learned to be full and to be hungry. He says in verse number 13, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So now we have the proper application of that verse. We have the proper application of what you can do through the strength that Christ gives you. And that is to live in any situation. You have the strength, or you can ask uh, uh, God for the strength to live in any situation. You know, many times we go through things. Sometimes our prayer is, God, take me out of this situation when he really wants to just take you through the situation. And with his strength, you're able to go out and make it the other end. And people begin to look at you and say, how are you still smiling? You know, God, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. God bless her. Mama Rosa uh, told me about her husband, right? You remember, look at the relationship. She told me about her husband last night. As soon as I got the message, I rang her straight back. When I was speaking to her, it's like she had more joy than me. <laughs> I'm all like, man, oh, is everything okay? She's like, I, I trust God. She's like, I trust God. She said, she, said, she actually, praise God, amen, come on now. She actually sent me a message. I don't know if you guys were here on the testimony she gave and she sang a song, right? She actually sent those lyrics in the message. She says, hey, thank you for sunshine. Thank you. And I was like, man, this lady, this lady's tapped into something. Can you say amen in this place? 
that her husband, with it, and at that point, it was touch and go. I haven't given you the full details. At that point, it wasn't, it wasn't known that he was going to make it through the night. And here's her, her, uh, his wife telling me, listen, I trust God. What's wrong with you, Pastor, man? Pick yourself up, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, she's tapped into something. Because she realizes that regardless, when the rain comes, when the shine is there, when it's cold, when it's this, when it's that, listen, regardless of all the things that are happening around me, I can be content. I can find a peace and a happiness and a joy through Christ who strengthens me. Can you say amen in this place? John 15, verse number one here, the Bible says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word, because of the word which I have spoken to you. And here in verse number four, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is telling us right there in that text that we, apart from him, can do absolutely nothing. So to get through, to get through the, the turbulence of life, we need to go back to school. Come on, and we need to learn some lessons. To get through the ups and downs of life. Listen, and, and if you have, haven't had any ups and downs in life, trust me, it's coming. I, I, I promise you that, I guarantee you. That it was Jesus that said, listen, offense is going to come. It's going to come. And to go through, to successfully come out the other end, we've got to learn the lesson that Paul learned, and that is how to be content. And if we're able to do that, listen, we can go through the seasons of life, we can encourage people, we can inspire people. Yes, we can weep when it's time to weep, but it's not going to take away our destiny. Listen, we can go through things right here in the house of God. We can present our needs to God, yes, but it doesn't have to take away our joy, our peace, our happiness. We can stand and be men and women of God that are content with exactly where we are. Listen, if you have a million, God bless you. You can be content with that. Sing some praise and joy. If you don't, you've just got minimum wage. God bless you. You can be content with that. Listen, I've had to wrestle with that because sometimes, sometimes you, you put, listen, sometimes you drop in an offering and you put in tithe or you put in a seed and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to return. That's going to come back to me tenfold. You start using those prosperity gospel moments and stuff and it doesn't. Well, you have to then say, okay, can I still serve God like that? Can I still serve God if he's able to uh, to, to withhold certain things or give certain things. I love, I always go back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who had this kind of mentality. They said, our God is going to save us. We don't even have to answer you, King. But they said these words, they said, even if he doesn't, Come on, we're not bowing down to you. They said, listen, it doesn't matter what happens, where we are, where we go. I have my relationship with God and nothing and no one is going to take me away from that. Can you say amen in this place? We need to learn the lesson from Paul. Go home and wrestle this scripture. Go home and reread what Paul is saying. I've learned the lesson that in any situation, I can be content. And to define contentment, we're talking about having or being in a state of peaceful happiness. Some of you need to go home and have some conversations with yourself. Have a look. Put that smile back on your face. You say, as long as Jesus is alive, then I'm all good. I can learn to live up here, live down here, 
and I'll still praise God. Who's with me in this evening tonight? Can we say amen in this place? Come on, let's give him praise right here, right now. The hardest lesson to learn, but we all got to learn it. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place.